Good evening and welcome to Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Kane Roberts. How are you? Hey, nice to see you, man. I think nice we tried before, uh, mm-hmm. but it didn't work out. So that's got to be my fault because I am the biggest flake when it comes to a lot of stuff. I've been working on, uh, you know, independent films, um, independent, independent films, like mostly animation stuff. And the animators uh, are in China. So, mm-hmm. you know, my hours are all crazy and of course you know i have to have a translator there in these conference calls and they have a tremendous amount of stress they have to deal with right now so it's it's kind of a bit of a deal and, and it's been going on for a few years actually so that's really cool i was wondering because i know you do a lot of graphic or, or animation stuff and mm-hmm. along with music so i was curious because that's actually pulled into your last album and video you've kind of right. taken that skill set and and added it to music yeah yeah well you know it's it's um well, Bob Bob Ezrin, you know, he produced the wall yes, and, and everything, right? Yeah. He was saying that uh, creativity, if if you're a creative person, it can be sort, it can be um, uh, transmogrified. Sorry about that word. To to different types of creativity. So if you're good at music and you have a creative, uh, you know, heart and you you develop stuff with your intellect and your feelings and stuff like that, you can apply it to different you know, types of uh, creative enterprises. Like, for example, um, uh, my graphics thing, I drew uh, comic books, you know, not professionally, but as a kid, I was a big Marvel guy. So I was always drawing all the superheroes and doing all that stuff. So it developed kind of visual acuity of my own. And so so it became valuable. Later, I ended up uh, working at a very big broadcast design company. I was executive producer at this company that did commercials for the Super Bowl and all that stuff. So these people were supremely talented. So I was able to just sort of, you know, let some of it rub off on me and try to apply it as well. So, yeah. So, you know, working on these films, you know, we're, we're developing characters and doing script consulting and a whole bunch of stuff. So, you know, it's a lot of fun and it really doesn't uh, cut into my music at all. I play guitar every day and, um, you know, I'm going to do another couple of songs and some videos and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it works out well. Now, are you going to be, is it because where is you working on another album totally? Or is it just singles? No, or? I've given up on the whole record company thing, you know, especially, you know, it, it, the, the way the market works is whatever is like currently the most profitable, they'll, they'll try to manage it yeah. and, and juice it up or whatever. You know, I don't fall in that category. I fall in a category of like something that happened a while ago, but I still really uh, love recording. And I really love, you know, the, the, the visual aspect of it. So we, I got some really great plans. For, it's one more video, not two, but I'm, I'm going to be doing two songs. One of them is actually an Alice Cooper song uh, that I did a long time ago. And then, uh, you know, we've got some new material. And then recently I've been working a little bit with Ezrin and, and Alice. So we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, could be some fun stuff. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Because you did with Alice on your last album. Yeah, newest oldest, right? Yeah, it was. The 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 pandemic is kind of frozen time, so it feels like it's everything is like new old. When you talk about anything in the past three years, it's it's a new album, but it didn't have it didn't have legs on it yet. Yeah, it's like the 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 movie project projector shut down right for a while, started up again, you know, and it's like oh, I think I remember the old life, but um, but yeah, you know, I remember I was working on uh, a song called "Beginning of the End" off my last album, "The New Normal." And, you know, I had sung it and mm-hmm. I was like, hey, you know, I'm pretty fucking good. No, no, I did. I was just saying like, hey, you know, I said suddenly I was sitting there. I was going, what if Alice sang these verses with me? Mm-hmm. Because 
you know, I'm talking about corporate greed and everything. And that's right in Alice's wheelhouse, you know, and it's from that era where people were becoming awake to like the corporations and the government and how yeah. they, uh, not all of them, but you know, a lot of them have the wrong sort of uh, motives. And, um, I called him up and I, you know, everybody was going, ah, geez, really? You think you can get him to sing on it? And I said, well, you know, probably maybe. Yeah. So I called him up and he goes, Hey, I'm in town. I'm in Hollywood. I'll come right over. I couldn't, I couldn't believe how easy it was. You know what I mean? And of course, you know, he destroys the song in such a great way. He's so good, you know? And, and then the uh, revelation was um, I finished, I started working on a guitar solo and I said, you know, rather than doing, oh, the guitar solo goes here. Now, I know a lot of people still love that and they expect it and they're very, they anticipate. It. But I said, what if Alyssa White Glues fell out of the sky and blew the whole thing up? You know, and boy, does she do that. She's such a, a fantastic monster with that voice of hers. Oh, and when she sings legit, oh, it's yeah. like a saxophone or something. It's just incredible. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, I agree. Plus they, they both came in and then I threw in a guitar solo at the end just because I wanted to, you know, so, uh, but yeah, you know, working with Alice is always um, very easy. We, we pick up right where we left off when we were touring every time. And uh, yeah, so I, I was, I'm pretty lucky and, and, you know, working with them again a little bit, you know, we'll see what shakes loose, but it's just nothing but fun. Same with Ezrin. I mean, I love Ezrin. He's a, he's a really uh, intense guy, but he's got a big heart. So, right. Legendary. Well, you know, the thing with, with Alice, I'll say, because in, in anyone's watching, probably me, me and you will be bouncing back and forth. When sure. he came in at a good time in his career, people that don't know, he was becoming newly sober. And you were the new young gun, crushing it. You kind of brought the metal back into him, brought him up, and he's been on an on uproar ever since, really. Still, you know what I mean? His last album yeah. still crushes. He's, he's still maintained that level. He is not dipped oh no, during, oh no not during any of the the the, the fads that was this or that and the shoegaze no, he's always been alice cooper the whole way with strong albums um i don't think it's surprising that he would talk to you or you get him right away i think the hardest thing with getting with most of musicians or people that we at that height of, of success is just coordinating around like whether it be their handlers you didn't have to do that you talked to his wife which was track line yeah. but i think sure. with a lot of a lot of a lot of musicians i've found you talk to them they're pretty the uh accessible it's usually yeah, just yeah. the they're like i'll do anything sometimes it's just the the management team around them sure they're like blocking you right i mean you were you were the man you know yeah well they help people beyond what they really are truly like alice's true nature have you met him or not yet no hopefully yeah. <laughs> you, meet, you know which you know you're very easy to do but if you if you meet him you'll think he's treating me like we've known each other for 10 years and he's like that with everybody somebody out of the blue no you were walking down the street we got lunch in santa monica near uh, uh, the studio and we're walking back and somebody came up for the autograph you know he didn't know who he, he just stops and he's and they say something and he makes a joke out of it and he talks and then you know we move on it's just it's always the way i ha I, I don't think i i saw him angry once but that was it like in other words there were no confrontations between the two of us. And that's because of him. I was very hyper back in those days. And he was always like sort of the governor, you know what I mean? So he didn't calm down, you know, <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, he's, he's one of the most accessible and friendly guys out there. If you happen to see him, he, he won't, uh, he won't throw attitude at you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I do honestly, just not to him, but also the fact I feel like more rock artists are more open than other genres of music. Yeah. Just in general, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not everyone, but I've just found that even doing the show, like no, but it's in every, you're, you're right. And, but it is in every genre, but you, you're right. I mean, um, uh, people from the eighties and nineties rock, seventies rock musicians are very grounded and there's no huge ego. I mean, you have to have some kind of id to perform on a stage. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of ego, but you don't need to be, you know, that yeah, yeah, there are a funny story. Um, Shep Gordon was my manager mm-hmm. and uh, he was telling me he was at the Grammys and he was with Luciano Pavarotti. He was standing in a hallway and a big guy comes over to him, comes and say, Hey, you have to turn towards the wall. Prince is here. He doesn't want anybody to look at him. So Shep and Pavarotti turned around and they were just sort of standing in care, you know, and while he, when Prince walked by, Pavarotti was a huge booming voice. Yeah. He goes, who's Prince? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was like, a, when Shep was cracking up. He said That's it was funny. just, oh, because it really depends on, you know, who you're talking to and what environment you're in as to whether or not you've got some sort of cachet to like, you know, pull on. So well, I've heard uh, that before too, you know, the, the whole eye looking down thing and a few people, but, you know, but overall, I think with Prince it was actually insecurity. I think it literally, he was so inside his own head. Yeah. That it was well, beyond. We never knew him. I just thought that was a funny No, no, I think story. it's hilarious too, because it is yeah. funny. Like, why would I look down? Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? yeah. I hear that yeah, a lot. Like, how do you talk to that person? I'm like, just with words, just like you do. Yeah. They're great people. Yeah. Or if somebody said hi to him, I, I, unless the bodyguards, it's like what you said, the handlers would get in the way. And you know what I mean? But um, I haven't really met any musicians that I didn't think were like super, super cool. I mean, and, and even people that uh, some people warn me about, like Paul Stanley and, and, and Gene Simmons, that yep. they're tough business, straightforward, full on work ethic, nice guys, nothing, nothing strange. I mean, they're tough. I mean, they're, they're from New York. You know, I am, too. So, you know, you, you can get into it with them, but every, they, they get it, you know, and they're not out to rip anybody off or or hurt anybody. That's not what they do. So well, I think the, the thing is that a lot of whether it not be a show or, or online, they like to things get taken out of context. You know what I mean? Yeah. How are you talking to them? Like there's a certain artist I want to make sure this, I've spoken to on the show, whatever. And people are like behind the scenes, like, I can't, you know, depends what would you talk to this guy and this and this and this. I'm like, I've talked to him quite a frequently and he's always been great. What, is, yeah. what, what, what are the contexts of these situations that are happening with people? You know, yeah. you can't be 24 seven on somebody at the wrong time or what do your demands are, it, you know, of course, you're gonna look like a jerk. I look like a jerk if you talk to me 23 hours out of the day. <laughs> this well, is see, a good he, hour you have with me right now. Uh, uh, something I haven't really told a lot of people, but I, I at one point, uh, Bob Ezrin called me up and he said, "Hey, uh, I need you to play guitar on Rod Stewart's record." So I said, "Oh, okay." So I went there. I didn't expect Rod Stewart to be there, and um, so I, I go there and I'm setting up my stuff in the 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 room there with the board and everything. And I look and Rod is standing in the vocal booth. And I went like, wow, he's here, you know. So I finished finish tuning and everything. And Ezrin walks in and he goes, OK, I want you to do a live blues with Rob uh, with Rod Stewart. And right away, I'm thinking Jeff Beck did this, you know, like all the yeah. guitar player from the faces and, you know, whatever. Just that Ronnie, voice. Everyone. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what I mean? So I did it. And you know, you really, 
when that voice came through those speakers, it, it just floored me, but um, I was able to handle it. And, you know, and, and, and so Ezrin goes in there and suddenly Rod storms out and I'm thinking, Oh my God, I must've really sucked. You know what I mean? Like, and he comes in and uh, he just goes, well, some people think they know more than I do. And he said, you were great. And he yeah. leaves. They invited me to, I couldn't go because the, the second day I played, they invited me up to his house to have shepherd's pie. Ah. You know? And I was like, you know, his, his uh, assistant did, and, and I wasn't able to, but I had heard so many nightmare stories about Rod Stewart and he was just, just incredible. Very, it, he's a, he's totally into his art and what he does and how he looks and how he feels but he's a, he was a great guy to me. So I'll always say, you know, he's, he's, he was a prince of a guy, this, this you know, kind of young, kind of knucklehead that, you know, couldn't even believe he was in the room with him. You know right. what I mean? Well, I've actually heard stories about being taking other young bands out to party and have fun with too. And once again, I think it's in that situation, it's, he, he has a, um, what he wants for good music. And sometimes if you're in the way of it or whatever, his goal is to do this. It's not to do with you. It's the song, it's the performance, it's the look. He's got yeah. the big picture. You know, and that's his goal. And if you're going to get in the yeah. way, it's going to fight you on it because he has a vision. Well, he's a lot to deal with. And pretty much the only guy, I mean, I know Ezrin could handle it. And that's the thing. You know, they, they made a great record together. They finished it up. But, you know, they would uh, they would butt heads because they're two big personalities. And, and uh, But you need that. Don't you agree? You need that. You need to have another personality to, to butt heads with somebody who's that big at that point. Because Yeah, I heard a thing. Uh, it was a quote by Jack Nicholson. He said, I'll go on the set with a new brand new young director. And he said, I, you know, I'll go home and I'll say, I can't believe what I said to this kid. I was like beating the crap out of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's because of that sort of uh, that big you know, that abyss between the two of them. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, the director has learned so much. And it's just, you know, at the end of a film, you know, you go into it's like it's like me when I finished my first tour with Alice. I feel like now I'm really a musician. You know, right. up to then, I had all these, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, I'm in Boston, I'm at the New England Conservatory, and I'm the best fucking guitar player that ever lived, you know, in my mind. And then I move out to California, it was like, Jesus, it was like so many great players were just shredding the fuck out of me. So, you know, I got to work, obviously. So uh, it's that type of a thing, you know, you, you, you have a real experience with people that have done it a million times. I mean, like, you know, that first show that we did uh, with that's on that welcome uh, the nightmare returns video we're at joe lewis arena and you know the band is very nervous alice walked out and as soon as he started singing and performing he just pulled us all with him we were all completely calm after that. i love that video i bought that i was going to college uh, for recording actually in atlanta <laughs> yeah i had that i bought that i remember vhs for kids look it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i must have played that a billion times that concert was like one of my favorite things. Well, can, you that know, was the best show, man. Oh. When, when Alice kicks that gate open at the beginning, yes. it's like explosive. And think of it. This is a guy that hadn't done a show sober in decades. And he just came out of rehab. And of course, you know, he and I worked together and, you know, we got ourselves in shape, but it killed it. And in, in this, in this environment that he hadn't, typically been in the super heavy metal sound and everything mm -hmm. and you know I, I was just uh I was just talking to somebody and they said what was that like and I said well for me it was just 
I respect what had gone before. Alice had developed this incredible history. He changed culture and, and, and worldwide with his music. And his original band was phenomenal, unbelievable. You yeah. look at them and they are, they're all iconic, all of them. Mm -hmm. So I had to, I told Alice, you don't want to come back and just survive um, rehab. You have to come back and you can't do an oldies but goodies show. You have to come back like a nuclear Alice as opposed to a survivor. And, we, you know, so we started working in that regard. And it turned out to be, uh, you know, turned out to be a good influence for yeah. at that time. Because, you know, bands like Ozzy and, and you know, a lot of uh, Van Halen, all these incredibly vital music was out there. So, well, and I think it, it plays a also probably played well to you and your style because that's what you sounded like. You're not yeah. going to go back to back to his original guitar players because nobody sounds like that guy. And yeah. And, and I would. That, that's a one time deal. You don't need to do it twice. I wouldn't want to hunt that down, you know, like, and other guitar players had been instructed to do so and to try to preserve the sanctity. Um, but uh, in my mind, I was because I was injecting a, a, a new sort of bloodstream into these classic, you know, amazing songs. So it was it was a joy for me. And Alice ended up loving it. So so it, 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 it you know. brought me to Alice because I loved past Alice. But at that point, the rock world was had so much powerful music. Yeah. It would have been until later in my life where I would have gone back to revisiting Alice. Yeah. Older. Those years, I would have been like, I, I dig him. I see what he did. But I'm going to listen to this Van Halen, you know, or this you know, other album, this Metallica album, because there's got some guitars and I'm in it's guitar time. Yeah. You know? And, and, the, and, the, and the basic thrust of it, the, 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 the sort of heart and soul of metal like that is, is got a tremendous amount of atmosphere and power. And that's what we wanted to because, and, and, you know, the, everybody, I'm sure people were going, yeah, is Alice going to be able to sing over a band like that? And man, did he kill it. It was unbelievable. So, um, yeah. And it's been nothing but a joy always working with him and hanging out. So that was a good band, too. I mean, Kip Winger on bass. Like, and, like, no, and I don't think a lot of people still realize it to this day. I'm like, you guys realize another monster on bass and talent. Yep. I mean, yeah. what a band you guys were, all you guys. Well, I met oh, Kip. Lost you for a minute. Hold on. I'll be back. Hello. Go. <laughs> um, uh, Kip was um, I met him when we were recording Constrictor with Bo Hill mm -hmm. and, and you know right away anything we requested that he do he just sat down and did it and then we wanted him to sing he sang perfectly it was just and so I said dude you got to come on tour with us and it was like while we were in New York you know so that's how that happened the rest of the band showed up from auditions uh there was uh ken mary who as soon as he played i go well there's the drummer we had 10 more guys coming in you know i don't know who's gonna top that um and then uh what was the other uh we got uh, paul taylor we got yeah. arthur narrow devlin seven that guitar player um just uh, amazing people right great lineup yeah and and you know I always think there's a certain amount of luck with that. So, you know, there's a lot, but there's chemistry, just a lot of musicians. And, but it was also the perfect storm. You were at the perfect point in your life to invigorate him. He was at the coming at a point, you know, well, he, the governor plus yeah. by him doing that and everything working, all the musicians, he got to claim what he was. Yeah. His reputation, the shows and stuff. People weren't just beating off of his old history. He was still out there doing the shows, the songs, the lyrics while people mm. were copying him or emulating him. Right. Yeah, I mean, I wish, our, you know, the, the funny thing about 
the funny thing about being in the, let's say the, the rock music industry, like when you actually step into the jet stream, so to speak, um, you have to realize that there's a couple of uh, dynamics happening in all the creative stuff, the fun stuff, playing and everything. But, you know, you got to keep in mind that the business aspect of it, you know, the, the people who are sort of running the uh, show on the back end, you know, the whole uh, equity earning uh, machine, they, uh, you know, they have their own opinions as to what should happen and how much money they're going to lay out for things. And, you know, so so when we when we started doing all that, you know, uh, I think I think we were on MCA, which in terms of distribution was is a very, very difficult company. They, they, they don't. And and they didn't have anybody in, a, in the rock division at that point. I don't think so, I can still name anybody right. now. Like a, a lot of one, I, even rock bands back then, like a lot of rock bands had like one or two, one album from each MCA, and then nothing ever happened to them. They were good bands. Yeah, and and they, we had an R and B guy handling the distribution of our record. That's how bad it, it got. And then we did the Raise Your Fist and Yell album, which the band after the first tour hit the ground running. I mean, we were beasts, all of us on our instruments and just understanding Alice's voice and what the music was. So that guitar, that album really represented kind of a culture of violence that Alice and I had sort of ginned up, you know, so to speak. And, you know, the record company had no idea what to do with it. Now, by the same token, you can't play for money. You just can't do it. It, 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 I, what I mean is you, you can take a gig and accept payment, but that can't be the motive for why uh, you play. So, um, you know, and, and the, the, the history of musicians has never been one of like, you know, excessively profitable. Although these days there's a few artists that, that, that do reach yeah. that incredible level, which is awesome. I think it's great. So, uh, but the, you know, the, 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 the grand uh, majority you know, has to go through like a lot of sort of uh, uh, different permutations to try to, you know, hit something that's also going to make money. Mm -hmm. But if you start chasing a trend, you like you were mentioning, or you start chasing a certain style or, you know, suddenly you wear shorts, you get tattoos and shave your head. No one's it's just not going to it's not the way it is. Your first entry into the public eye has to be substantive enough to at least do something that's memorable. I mean, I remember Ken Mary said, dude, why, why are you so huge? And I said, well, first of all, I have no idea. I just started doing it. But I also realized that once the camera passes over me, people will remember who I was. And that basically is basically the truth. That actually did happen. Uh, whether or not it was a, a great idea or not, I don't know. But People did remember me, <laughs> so it's one of those things. Well, I think you showed that a somebody could be huge and still shred without having, you know, like sausage fingers or whacking right. like hot dogs against it. But you could really? still be, and forearms and hands. People right, don't know shows, you, you know, because there was a stereotype. And the eighties is really weird for anyhow. But one of the best things I think you're playing and 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 you do it now with your own your own thing because you have a really great voice and you think you'd be able you wouldn't be able to sing as high and as clean as you do. Because you, you know nowadays it was visual everything's like Rawr. yeah but you also have that um right which is great and and um but you wrote songs and now i'm sure alice do this to his voice and that's the key when you try writing songs that aren't in someone songs not to their voice it doesn't be a sound or a lyric it's, it could be a lot all different pieces it yeah. doesn't always work you know and yeah. that's when i went to school it was like oh music business you know they see that one's selling right there. So we're going to, all of us, because at that point, uh, they're just banks. 
and they're right. going to you know invest in an, a copy of that one that's making money and get a bunch of them out before that's not popular anymore and they have to find the next thing that's bankable you know right right yeah you, you were established you were you were who you were you were not gonna be somebody different you had your look you had your sound right and yeah, we're talking and today what's that i said we're talking today people still know you in the media yeah, no. plan I mean, my my the biggest deal for me is if ever I get a text message or anything and somebody might any of my songs meant something to people that is has turned out to be like some of the biggest moments for me. And people don't realize they'll say something on Facebook, excuse me, or uh, Instagram. And I, I can't believe it. You know, somebody was really down and out and they they heard the song fighter or some other song and it just lifted them out of their depression and everything and some people were really in bad shape and now they lift weights and they feel healthy and all that you know and those are the type of po- positive influences that that you want uh, you want people you want to sort of liberate people from whatever moment they seem to be trapped in you know and we all have them you know so um it's 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 the beauty and value of music, and it certainly is the beauty and value of why I ever got involved. I see that now. So, it's you know you brought up a point that everyone has. You know, like being creative, they have other things they do. It's I've come to the point out. I'm always like, what who am I talking to? Is music? What's their creative superpower? Because everyone's either I, I know yours now, but it's, it's, they're really good cooks, or they're painters, or they're gardeners. They do multiple things. There's always one extra music superpower they have. You know, yeah. that they're really yeah. into because it's well, you have, you have that, too. Like, like, you know, people, um, I think that that do interviews and it's based on music. They have a true passion for it and they're very good at it. Like your 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 questions in the conversation and everything is, is very uh, it's engaging. And and I believe it's important work. I mean, uh, you know, regardless of what the following is, regardless of what the response is to different interviews, you see some will get more than others. But it's it's a it's a really incredible kind of a network to be involved in. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you do other stuff. I'm sure there's other stuff that you're good at. I mean, and you have kids. So you're seeing that. Wow. You know, the, was this, there was this um, Indian friend of my East Indian. His name was Gautam. And. He just, he's one of those Mensa guys, you know, he's like, his brain is just ridiculous, you know. And he was telling me, he just had a kid and he said, he looks at his daughter's brain. She's a baby as a hard drive. And she said, the only problem is you can't delete anything. (laughs) He said, so, you know, I'll do something really stupid and I'll go, well, that's there forever, you know, in some manifestation, you know, but, um, but yeah, everybody, I think, you know, and that's when people say, I don't know what to do. It's, it's almost like they got surrounded. There's a maelstrom of, of negativity and thoughts and everything that's just flowing around them. And they've lost the faith in thinking, if I, if I try this and I do it and I fail, it's going to lead me somewhere else. I'm going to end up in a different a different uh, 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 genre or a different job description or whatever it is. Only because uh, activity is what creates success. Inactivity, obviously, you know, what well, was that guy Jordan Peterson said, you know, when you're born, you're in this thing 100% and it's going to kill you. So what excuse do you have for not trying to live a magnificent life? And, and 
you know, in a lot of ways, that that's a critical way for anybody to think. I was just talking to somebody who feels, you know, very lost. They, they lost, you know, everything in their life and they're just upset. And I'd say the fact that you're upset and the level of your depression and frustration are is, is the linchpin for getting out of it. It's essential. If you, you're not happy with the way things are. So you can keep digging a hole or you can start digging your way out. And, and you know, I'm quoting a lot of people, but uh, Mike Tyson's coach said to him, discipline is doing things you hate, but doing them like you love them. And that's where success is. That's where it's hidden. There's a lot of hatred stuff that you don't want to do. You get through it. And now you've taken a step up, however small or large that might be. So, you know, and that's, you know, when I talk to musicians who feel, you know, depressed, their careers didn't do whatever, um, you know, I, I think, I think to whatever level that you're going to get, it's always no until it's yes. And when it's yes, you build on that. That's what you do. So, you know, you try to get people try to get, you know, I'm in Hollywood. So I know a lot of actors that are trying to get jobs and musicians that wishes this and that. And all. it's yeah. just, you just, you have no choice. You just got to fight. People told me, I, you know, you, you know, there's no reason why you're going to make it. There's millions of guitar players. What are you doing? You know, just, just get a regular job. And I just thought to myself, I just know that I have no choice. This is what I'm going to do. This is all I love in life right now. You know, so I think that's, those are the right. feelings. You, those are the got to, you got to evolve though too. I mean, like for me, like, I never had a desire to do what I'm doing. This came out of, out of COVID and pr pr promoting artists and nice. it's evolved. But I look back at my life. I've done music my life. I've, I've done video. I've taught video to people before. I've done everything I've done. It's kind of led up to me doing this. Like, the only thing short of just this part right here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. My it's whole life of knowledge. So it literally is like, and, and then you know, as you get older, you start thinking about it. Like a lot of things I thought I wanted to do when I was younger, couldn't do when you evolve into the things. And finally I realized what you're good at and, using the best of what you have, like kind of like your life builds to who you're going, like what you're going to be. And you look back and you just, all the skills were adding up. Yeah. You know? yep. And that's the best you're going to be. I think if you put everything in one spot though, and you don't try doing anything else, you're going to, you're going to fail and you're going to feel really hard on yourself if you're not going to, cause it's hard to evolve. We're only here for a minute. Do a lot of stuff, do a lot of things. Why not? The fuck is somebody going to yell at you? Who cares? You know? But the survival, like, look what happened to rock. You know, it peaked. And a lot of talented musicians crumbled from mm. finances. And right. then some of them had drug problems or emotional. It's hard being young and being successful than losing it all and not knowing how to handle it emotionally. So it was a big learning curve for a lot of people. So it's great now is seeing a lot of the bands that are back or still together survived. A lot of the guys all got different jobs. Now do it for fun. The people they've become it's fantastic to be able to see the other end. And that's because I'm 51 to, you know, saying the growth of all those bands and those people. Yeah. Because they had to evolve. And yeah. The and last the, stuff you said. Well, the thing is that, that people that are super successful also have tremendous, some of them have tremendous problems. The, it, it's not a guarantee for happiness. There's a happy moments, but you know, we've, we've seen some of our most uh, beloved rock yeah. stars it's suicide you know because it's you know it's rough out there life is hard and it's not supposed to be super easy and it, it really never will be but you know i i think i think there's a tremendous amount of and, and i'm not getting uh, uh excessively um 
you know, uh, romantic about this, but there's a lot of, you know, what you could consider to be miracles out there. And it's just almost like every day you get up and do something, you have the potential to create something great. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you think you are. You really do have a tremendous amount of, of positive potential. So like somebody said to me, well, then what, do you, what are you going to record another song for? Why don't you try to get a record deal? And I said, you know, first of all, I don't know if I could. Second of all, I, I have no desire to be calling somebody up and asking them, you know, why this happened and that happened. And they give you all your their opinions of what they're doing. Their business, like I was just on Frontiers Records and their business model is very hard coded. And it's how they it's how they make money. And I like guys, I, you know, they can't stand me, I'm sure, because I'm not an easy one to, to deal with. If I see something that's wrong, I'll say it, but I'm not doing it in a contentious way where I don't. There's this one guy there who I thought was kind of a knucklehead, but but it's a it's a really like uh, Serafino and uh, Mario, the two guys that own it. You think about it. These guys were in an apartment. They developed this company. Now they're like the number one 80s rock, you know, music company, a uh, record company around there. They've got a good business business model. It works for them. So I don't expect them to go out of their way for me, you know, and, and you know, even though they did a little bit. So I can't complain about them. What I realize now is rather than complain, what I do is I'm just going to do another, some more projects and just release them myself, you know? And I got some business people that yeah. kind of, they'll finance it and they know these networks to try to maximize whatever the impact yeah. is. And I think so. you just need that, need that and like distribution is really what it comes down to for most artists nowadays. The thing with, with Frontiers, because I, I, Frontiers seems to be coming up a lot in my conversations with people. People are happy. I I wasn't. The point is, I think what it is is because, and this is my opinion from hearing above stuff and underneath it, is that they have a model, but their model is is only for the album at the time, and it's very short lived financial impact. Whereas a lot of the artists used to be used to in the seventies and the eighties, and everyone has always been chasing that is when you foster an album and it goes and you work you work an album and you do this. A lot of the bands wouldn't have been made it, you know. So when Frontiers does it, it has a shelf life. Oh, yeah. No, it's fast. And and, and that cuts a band at its knees, though, especially in a rock band, because you rock band works it. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, though, it's the the genre of music is not anywhere near as popular. So they have to really keep that stuff tight. There's a lot of other things they could do that wouldn't be part of that same system that you talked about, which was really viable. It's like a tour a video, the type of advertising magazine, you know, they put out some serious equity. My Geffen record uh, was, was one of those. And, and the same thing, even my first record, they, they, uh, they gave me quite a budget. You know, I think that's because of my manager, but you know, once the record came out, they didn't do anything. So, you know, I, I, I sort of butt my head up against these record companies, you know, enough. So I don't, I don't feel like doing it anymore. And it was the reason why I disappeared for a long time. Because as the music uh, scene changed, which it inevitably would, you know, with the arrival of, quote unquote, uh, the Nirvana movement was inevitable. The first time, you know, Robert Plant sang that song, you know, any of those songs, Dazed and Confused are the first thing, you know, led somebody, the first time anybody ever heard them, the shelf life begins. It's not going to last forever. And, and the music styles are going to change. And then the next nuclear explosion, you know, in some ways, there were others, you know, uh, Def Leppard and everything, but it was Van Halen. And so now it, very few people listen to 
uh, 80s music in the United States, definitely. And, and in Europe, it's, it's a little bit uh, better, but it's not like what it used to be because they used to, you know, Def, Def Leppard and bands like that used to own the, the music industry. So um, the, 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 the ultimate point is that you have to sort of, before you go into a record deal, you got to see the limitations of that company. And they're not going to change. They're not going to step off of it. If I come, if it was a shoe company and I come up with a shoe, they're not going to completely change their marketing system and who they're trying to sell the shoe to just for me. Right. They're going to, it seems like it has something like that, but really they're just going to put it into their, you know, their machine there and just hope for the best. So I have, I have no grand expectations for any record company. Shep taught me that on my first record yeah which was a quarter of a million dollars. And I was completely un, unheard of. Uh, nobody knew who I was. So it just shows you, you know, those board meetings, you know, like depending on how big your guy is going into that meeting, you're, you're going to end up with, but, but, but that, you know, I could have gotten a million dollars for that uh, record deal. If the record company is not going to do what it, it has to do in order to promote it and get it happening, if they right. don't believe in the artist to that extent, that money's going to disappear. You know, the guys you were talking about that were hurting for money, it, it just shows you that writing music is the real estate of the music industry. So any of the, if there's any young musicians or people that are trying to figure out what to do, uh, you know, to, to get in the music industry, make sure that you write. Even if you think you're not a good writer, just write, write with people. Own your songs, own your songs. Don't sign them over. Yeah. But when I wrote, I, was, I mentioned before, when I wrote with Paul Stanley, it was just business. We just worked the whole time. And we, we hung out, went to movies and stuff like right. that, just as friends after that. But whenever we were working, his work ethic was phenomenal. Same thing with Desmond Child. You, you, you walk in there, you're going to leave with a song. It may not be done, but he doesn't, he doesn't fuck around, you know. And I remember it was really funny. I had just gotten a publishing advance, you know, and the number was pretty stunning to me. And I walk in to tell Desmond and he just got off the phone and, he said, oh, I just finished my deal with EMI Publishing. I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, it's, it's a million a year. And I went, oh, that's good. I probably won't tell you what I had ready to say, but that's awesome. <laughs> Even close, you know. So um, so there's all these different tiers and levels and everything. You just got to you just got to live your life and just say, I took my fucking best shot. That's all that fucking matters. And right. something will come of it. You know, that's the, the leap of faith. You know, everybody talks about religion and faith and everything. If you get great at what you do, my belief is the world will beat a path to your door. I'm not saying I was greater than anybody, but I put in the hours and I think I think that's the key. I think people need to enjoy what you're doing. Like to me, I realized early on that it's not about me. once you get there, you're like, whatever you're trying to achieve, you're like, all right, now what? Look back, I'm like, the best parts were like the steps. Like I succeeded in this. Like it's the journey is the best part. I think in, right. that's the you got to keep going. You yeah, you know, if you, if you think you're gonna get there and be like, there's a big golden reward all the time every day, you're gonna feel euphoric. You don't. The euphoric yeah. part is succeeding and, and yeah. following your dreams. Yeah, and and there's all these bumper stickers about it. You know, there's there's no success without failure. Well, I'm never gonna like failure, so I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, hey, this is getting me closer to success. My foot fell off. You know, it's <laughs> like that's not that's not you know. Those pep talks don't necessarily work. The, the main thing is you just got to stick your head into the into the dirt and just start, you know, whatever you do when your head's in the dirt, which I wouldn't really know what you do. I've never had my head in the dirt. But if but it might no, but seriously, you, you got to just get in there and just, you know, start fighting. So. Yeah.
So this is great news. You're doing more music there too, on a side note. <laughs> What's that? Great, you're doing more music because I think I did love your last stuff. It's great, you know. Like you how, you, how, how you put it out, you know. It's yeah. It's good. You just got to distribute it somehow, you know, whether it's record label or not. Um, yeah. Playing, do you play out at, at all though? Are you playing out at all? Or I know COVID got kind of weird too on top of it. Fantasy Camp, I'm going to be doing some playing in the studio uh, quite a bit in the next six months. But, um, you know, I, I, this, is, this is awful. Uh, you know, I don't really, I don't know if I, the point is that when I was a kid, I used to look at bands. They were young bands. I loved them. It was fucking awesome, right? And, you know, young guys and girls, you know, in, in these bands, they're angry. And they're angry because they're going up against the man, you know, they're going to they're going to fight the power, you know, whatever it is, whatever that uh, that is, whether it's a relationship or it's the government or money, you know, whatever. And the problem is that when you get past 50, you're angry still, but it's because you have a bad back, you know. So so I'm not sure, like like when I see these older bands playing, I think more power to them. It's wonderful. The audience is there and they're getting to see you know, a version of what the, the guys that played the soundtrack to their high school lives, you know, that sort of a thing. Me, I, I think there's a certain cutoff point of like jumping on stage and, you know, and, and it's disappointing to a lot of people, but I just kind of think that. It's, it's, I don't think I, I'm like, you know, some monster or anything, but I just think that, you know, when you get older, um, the, you have to make sure that uh, everything's lined up properly in the show and all that stuff. And I don't know. I don't know if to, to pretend to be 25 years old and ham- hammering out these rock songs doesn't seem, you know, uh, but you know, there's some guys that, that really do it. Like, like I actually saw Jack Russell, like uh, I was thinking it was five years ago. I played a song with him on stage. I was amazed at his voice. That, that yeah. guy's kicking ass. The same thing um, with the guy from, uh, Queen's right. He's still singing. And of course, Alice, you know, so there are exceptions to the rule. Well, that, but- that's my point. I mean, you have Alice as the biggest example and he didn't cash in. There's no shelf life and he's not trying to be anything. He isn't. He's just being him. He's just know. being, see how, you know, he once told me, he said, he said to me, uh, I said, Hey, you, you know, I, I guess we're all, you know, getting a little older, you know, we were just laughing and hanging out. He said, look, the good thing for me is the worse I look, the more popular I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he totally gets it. He's being funny, but but he totally gets it. So well, and that's yeah. the thing. I mean, for you, if you don't if you don't feel like playing as you get older, that's one thing. But I also think there shouldn't be a shelf life. And I also think artists shouldn't have to feel they have to dress a certain way anymore. If you just want to play, play. You're in better shape now than probably most 20-year-olds. You know what I mean? If yeah. I wore a red shirt, it would look like a before and after photo here going on. And, yeah. you know. So, so no, I do, I do. Uh, pay a lot of attention to that obviously yeah but, yeah, but sometimes you're playing for fun I, I just like just going up and playing i work out maybe 40 minutes when i go i don't sit there for two hours i don't really like the gym because i have kind of gone a little bit but now i'm at the point now where you know i just want to go in there it's a good vacation from my from my work it, playing guitar i don't consider to be work but you know sometimes when you're doing film stuff you know, this just fire starting everywhere and it's just a constant uh, battle to get into the end yeah. zone. Yeah. What is your process when you're writing songs at this point, Al? Are you, do you, do you have like a, an idea? Are you just noodling and get a, get a riff? Well, I listen to a lot of music. So I get inspired to do certain things. So I'm always writing down lyrics and, and most of them are awful. 
but they captured the moment or the feeling that I had when I started thinking of the song. So for me, very often, um, I can st- I'll start singing a melody over chords, mm-hmm. and then the the lyrics come into play. And I I'm always open to other people writing with me on lyrics and stuff like that. I'm not I'm not one of those people that you know, like for example, if we're in the studio, I don't want to play the bass part. I don't want to tell the bass player what to play. I want him to know what to do or, you know, the producer right. kind of nudges him in whatever direction. So, um, and for example, uh, Alyssa's work uh, on that beginning of the end, she, um, I just said, you know, she said, what do you want me to do? And I said, whatever you think, you know, I just, I, I'd like you to listen to the song, let it get inside you a little bit and just, you know, everything she sent, we used and we didn't change it. It's that good, really? you know? So, so um, it just depends on what people's processes are. She's, she's a very, uh, you know, for, for my video, she said to me, uh, Kane, I'll go to wherever you and Alice are to be in the video. She literally flew from Europe to Montreal, waited in the airport for six hours and flew to Vancouver to be in the video. Now that's somebody who's devoted wow. to, she's to, there it goes again. That's, that's the, that's devoted to music. She, yeah. Alyssa, very devoted to music. So, and her her art and her creativity is is everything that she's about, you know. And unfortunately, you know, the record company didn't do anything to to promote the video. I think it's approaching half a million. But I mean, with Alice and Alyssa on a video, just by proxy, it should right. probably should probably hit one million, like kind I of on its. You know, but the videos it, are weird, though. You know. I'm gonna say sorry. We keep getting cut over you. Like, no. For example, like you talk about like viewership, whatever. Like, say for like for my show, like you look at some of my numbers and you can look at my YouTube clips. The numbers for some people maybe seem lower, but I also have another podcast, and the podcast numbers are always like huge. I don't like promote because I'm just like a jerk, but I, I'm very fortunate. Is what, what I'm saying. Sure. Even if it looks like it's low numbers on on on, on a video, sometimes the audience is different. But yeah, YouTube. Yeah. odd. It, yeah. The algorithm is really weird, and it's a fun bonus that I put it out there. But the podcast of this is really what the the, the big part of my show. You know? Well, see, if you were, if you and I had a record company, and some artist comes in with an Alice Cooper, Alyssa White Glues thing, we're going to drop 10k with YouTube, and you have to do that. Oh yeah. If, if you don't drop some money, you're not going to you're not going to get a good start. There's also there was a functional thing that they wouldn't change you know you're not supposed to leave a video up there in private and then debut it because youtube's algorithms aren't smart enough to differentiate even though everybody's always has theories about it you just don't fuck with it because they're changing the software you can't make a premiere and then change it as a premiere like also for something and also it knocks you into a different algorithm no matter who you are yeah well they're changing their software and rewriting it literally every week yeah so so to think that you know how you just got to be super careful, you know, and my, somebody might say, well, you know, if you do that, it could be worse. And, and that's not the case. Yeah. If it's private, the uh, YouTube begins to recognize it as something with three likes in right. or views in three weeks or two weeks. So I asked them, I said, just pull it down and put it right back up. Yes. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. Just uh, attitude. There's yeah, nothing excessively wrong about frontiers i would never do another project with them and they would never do another one with me that's that's the end of the story but it's you an know? easy thing that's the remedy that i mean like I said, youtube is very weird you know what i mean 
Like I, we could put this up and you could do huge or you could do small, but I know I can tell you right now on Amazon and Spotify, they were, you, everyone's going to listen to it because everybody listens to a podcast, either iTunes, Spotify, or, or Amazon. Yeah. On. So I yep. know, you know, and I don't, use, I don't worry about the numbers like that because I'm not motivated by that, but I know because the goal of the show is to expose an audience I use the word exposed, nice professional right here, to yeah. all different types of acts. Because I try getting everybody on here to be open. You got to be open to all types of music. Right. But in a podcast, in a car, people seem to be listening more for travel. You know, it's weird. Video is just a weird thing for people. It's fun as oh, a visual. You know, it's, it's really funny. The first thing you see has to pull you in. If, if you don't get if you don't get yanked into the video, you know, because if you look at the analytics, you'll see like you know, so a certain amount of people watched it for 10 seconds. Somebody yep. watched it. In it you know, so, so all those things influence the ultimate uh, number. But um, but yeah, well, you know, all in all, uh, the music industry has been, you know, just a, a, a fantastic, not the industry, but just being in music and me being very lucky. I had I had a really fucking awesome time. So I, I, I'm not I never complain about you know, what's, what's going on. You know, my work key ethic is what matters is what's, you know, the only thing I complain about is if I, I you know, I, I can't play something on the guitar. So it pisses me off. I try to learn it. And, and we'll end on this one, one, one concept here is the fact that still you're a generation that you, you, whether you want to play it or not, you can go to a club and it doesn't matter. Like you could say your Instagram would have, I don't even know how many you have, but then you look at like um, another artist that has like a hundred thousand, something crazy. You don't know who, who she is. And she's 17 years old. And she plays beautiful guitar. Yeah. And then say you have a yeah. third of those numbers, whatever, right? And they're huge. She's and, pretty. Right. Yeah. That's that's a big deal. That's what, what I'm talking about. Is, right. Just, you know, but what will happen is now a label will be more apt to look at that person than you to sign them. And then you try getting somebody on the road. You know who's going to fill it, fill it up? You. No one's going to come see the 17-year-old person, not because they're a girl, but I'm saying because yeah, but- of the world what, what record companies do is they first of all they look at you know the future how long is this person going to be around they look at the numbers of other things they've done in the past and and uh you know like if you went to get if you had a band and you went to get a record deal your kids did let's try to get a record deal one of the things they'll ask let's say they have a great song really great song and a, a bunch of them and the band is is really good you know um they'll say how many facebook followers do you have yeah that is a very common question now in, in, uh, and it makes sense. There's nothing wrong with it because it's a tremendous mall. It's like, if you have a store in a shopping mall, it's like how many people are going to walk by and you try to figure out the it doesn't rate. Translate though. I, I think it doesn't really translate back into money for them. And I talked to artists, only a few managers have ever reached back to me and said, what are your numbers? I'm like, what are your numbers? You know, but I'll get a Desmond child. He's like, I just reached out to him. He's like, let's do it. I've had, you know, Piercy, yeah. everyone, no one, no one has an issue. No one worries about numbers. Child, I was like going, oh, he'll do it. You know, he's, he's and he's fun. He's a funny guy. Great you know? stories. He's, he is salty earth. He's the kind of guy you could sit down with and chit chat with. Point is, those guys aren't worried about numbers. The record companies yeah. worry about numbers. And guess what? They've already rooted for themselves a million times over. They're struggling for streams now. They don't have the formula. Right. I would tell a band, don't get a record label. Figure out a distribution deal and find different ways to back it and managers and, and don't set up your music. There's well, ways the, of still doing it. The, the, the area that's tough to grab onto uh, is represented, I think, perfectly with um, the Misfits. 
Um, Doyle is a friend of mine. And, he's you know, the, Alyssa, right? What? He's with Alyssa, right? He's Doyle? with Alyssa. Yeah. And uh, that's where I met him. Re- really great guy and great guitar player. He's a, his style is very, very uh, intense and, and he just he kills it. So um, he was in the original Misfits. Then he was out for a long time, a very long time. And then the band started up again. And now he's back in. Out of nowhere, right before the pandemic, they sold out New, uh, uh, Madison Square Garden. First time they'd ever even approached that. And, or I think. But anyway, it, was just, it just shows you like their brand exploded. And now they're playing arenas. And that, that's where they play now, the Misfits. You know, it's funny. Um, is he doesn't know anything about his merchandise. He did an interview recently. He knows yeah. nothing about the website. He, was, he just plays. Yeah. He, well, he's no, got, he's got a good was, team to do that. The point is that, that they weren't doing that. Right, they, right. they were supposed they weren't that big. And then suddenly it explodes. So everybody tries to explain what that is. Oh, but yeah. truly, it's that sort of limbo gray area of, of the entertainment business. Like, you know, you'll play, you'll, you'll come up with an amazing song, an amazing performance. And the song Macarena becomes the biggest hit everywhere, anywhere. So you, you just can't. You know, and everybody has explanations for it. Well, think about it. That would maybe authentic at the time for the person who did it. Like almost, you can be authentic to who you are. You know what I mean? That That's yeah. kind of the thing. Like you are who you are. And the misfits have always been who they are. Yeah. You know, and, and I think if it's, you're true to who you are, it's going to stick out for some people, you know, and hold yeah. on. It's a good, yeah, that, that's the way. Uh, you look at the post, the, the, you see the post of the kids, with, the, there, it says, I'm a musician. And there's a picture of like an acoustic guitar and a notebook on the beach and how these pre-posed things on like Instagram. And I'm like, I thought you're a musician. I don't even see one bit of music on here. No, you know what I mean? It's just like. You know, the thing of it though, too, is that is that uh, the Misfits weren't going to change their style to follow anything. And, and, and it's that sort of strength of character, I think, that's brought them to, you know, the, 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 increased success they're having now plus you know i went to a couple of the shows fucking awesome great songs great band really amazing that's actually what uh is amazing you know it's you know doyle of course is my friend i think he's fucking off the charts but but the whole band you know um uh every everybody's uh singing and playing amazingly well i I actually was happy to see these big gigs for them too because they were lean we're in some lean years for them you know, yeah. I mean, they kept it going and they, they you know, as Lemmy would say, see what you got, run up the flagpole, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, that's what they did. So it's awesome. Right. I'm glad we finally got to talk. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a long while. Yeah. I'm glad we got to talk and I'll take um, the black acoustic. And <laughs> so if you could, I'll leave my address for you. Yeah, right? for this. Yeah, <laughs> funny. You're not even asking for the, the red one is, a, is an Aria Pro. Two, yeah, like eight nineteen eighty three. I think it's like a wildcat version or something. That's a totally. nice, like a stratty. To show you how shallow I am, I'm totally going on looks and color. That's all I care about. <laughs> you know, like if I go in to see guitars, I'll go, ah, well, it looks awesome. You know, it's like eighty bucks. You know, and I like going. I kind of want that one over the. Right now, I'm playing a phenomenal guitar. This Horizon, it's a handcrafted uh, ESP. Really, really amazing. They gave me a great, you know, artist deal on it and everything. It's just. The guitar is just so versatile and you can really get heavy with it or you can be really, you know, sort of intricate and, and delicate with it. And it still responds properly. It's really good. Don't you find, I love, and I love telling some of the people, like when people have to do this really great expensive guitar, sometimes you can buy a high name guitar or an offshoot. And the offshoot sounds better. Like you can get like, um, like a Squire guitar 
Right. The Squire Bullets, I heard some of them are fantastic. Sound better than the high end, you know? Well, Same no, it, it sits well in your hand. That's, that's the whole thing for me. You know, in the studio, like if I have a guitar that plays beautifully and my hand relaxes and everything, I was a Rudy Sarzo told me that uh, Randy Rhodes said that your uh, guitar pick hand, you have to feel like you're holding a sparrow. You have to be that delicate and light with it, you know? And so if the drummer is not good, if the drummer's feel is not right, I tense up. My arms are like, <laughs> I look totally ripped and, and, you know, like, boy, that guy really works out, you know, but it's awful. You know, I want to just be able to relax and play, you know? So, uh, so yeah. So it, it just depends on, a couple of things for me. A guitar can be cheap, and if it feels good in my fingers, I want to play it all day. Well, that's and the if, point. But to me, like you know, the guitar and the bass. Well, they, they, let's in my instance, the guitar and the drum are both percussion instruments, both striking something. And and if those things don't match up, the snare and the kick and the thing, it's gonna you know you're gonna start getting at least it really fucks me up. I know some people that just coast over whatever. Really great studio musicians that just sort of you know, roll in, do their shit and they, they leave, you know, and it doesn't matter if the band sucked, you know, I'm not that's, that that's, good. That's another musician level right there is a studio musician. That's another thick as leather. Yeah. Your skin is going to be thick. You know, that's a props to them. You know, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I, I did. I can't remember the, the guy's name really fat. He's well known to a uh, guitar player. He wasn't in Toto. He was, but he was like sort of the studio guy in California. And I walked in there and I had a Bob Bradshaw modified 50 watt head and a cabinet, little foot pedals here and there. And the door opens and this guy walks in reeling a skyline of effects. And it's just like tremendous, like, you know, $150,000 worth of equipment all over 200,000. So I said, are, are you? And he said, no, no, he'll be here in a minute. Turned out to be an amazing guy. And his thing was, I said, can you play uh, Little Wing by Jimi Hendrix? He hit three pedals and boom. It's just exactly from the record, you know. Could you play, uh, you know, whatever I asked him to play. He was able to, he knew the, the pedal configuration to get the exact sound. Just okay, so you're replicating it. Well, yeah, I can see in the studio, if they're like, I'm looking for a Pantera sound. I'm looking for a Jimmy Page sound. That's He's like, that, gotcha. He would, he, he'd say, okay. That's what he was like. All right. You that's know, his toolkit, right? That's his big red toolbox. Yep. That's really cool. That's really cool. All right, man. I will thank you. And um, I'm glad we could do this. Yeah, this was really fun. I really like talking to you.